So I'm sitting here with my great friend Dolores Cahill and I am dying to pick her brains about the Living City Initiative because it's something that I've seen that looks fascinating and I think what is it and does it work? So the basic, my basic understanding of the Living City Initiative is an incentive or an initiative by governments to encourage people to buy properties that are in slightly dead areas of cities and encourage them to do them up with a view to living in them themselves or renting them out exactly. for other people. So thank you very much, Bethany. So the Living City Initiative, there are three types of it. There's the commercial, landlord, living city and residential. Mm -hmm. So maybe we just might be of interest to do the residential first. So if you yeah, because I would love to, I'd love to firstly introduce Dolores a bit. Okay, Dolores is the most unlikely property developer you might imagine. She's a professor of translational medicine in UCD, and um, she is someone who is so savvy and is driven. So when she takes on a project, it gets done. So the reason I was so keen to talk to Dolores is because she's actually done this. Dolores has bought a project, brought a property, done it up and availed of the initiative already yep. and is into her second property. So can we just take it from day one, Dolores? Day one, where did you even hear of this initiative? So um, I have been renovating property on and off for about 20 years. Mm -hmm. And then we sold the various properties we had in 2005, 2006. Mm -hmm. And we even sold our home. And then we bought in again in 2010, 2011. Mm -hmm. uh, and good time to buy. Good time to buy. And then when the in my PAYE role, the taxes were getting so high mm -hmm. that I had we had huge mortgage commitments. And I thought if my income keeps going down and the taxes keep going up, mm -hmm. I won't have enough to pay my own mortgage mm -hmm. that I better try and buy a property that I could rent out to try and meet my own tax commitments. Okay, right. So that was the rationale Thank you. in 2011-2012. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So because I have always been aware of the tax initiatives, um, I then had a look around in 2011-2012 and they were the I'm a member of the Georgian Society mm -hmm. and it was actually the Georgian Society that proposed this tax initiative to the government Oh, because what they realized is that there was a lot of uh, property because of the recession mm -hmm. since 2006, 2007, exactly in the city centers that were being left idle. Mm -hmm. And there had been an initiative called Over the Shop Initiative, mm -hmm. which it was that if you were uh, had a commercial premises or a solicitor's offices on the ground floor in city centers, uh, that the two or three floors over that shop might be become in derelict and that was mm -hmm. to repair it. But that initiative didn't work very well. Mm -hmm. So the Georgian Society were then afraid that some of these key buildings in the city centres, which were older buildings, mm -hmm. would actually be deemed uh, derelict by the council and then they would have to be taken down. Mm -hmm. So they then came along in 2010, 2011, 2012, and the government put it into its budgets mm -hmm. uh, and the initiative was started in 2015 mm -hmm. but they were actually talking about it for about two or three years before mm -hmm. so that's when I decided when I was buying the properties that I would buy them uh, the properties that needed renovation in the city centers because the Georgian Society had recommended in each uh, city that it would be the city centre. So the cities that it runs in were initially Limerick and Waterford. Mm -hmm. And then in 2014, 2015, they were extended to 
Cork, Limerick, uh, Dublin and Galway. Okay, so you're now motivated. You know why you want to make, because you you presume this is going to be a money-making exercise. Exactly. And so have you a budget in mind? So the rationale in Living City is to buy the property as cheap as you can. Yeah. And so in Living City, if you renovate uh, the property for up to 400,000, you will get 50% of the renovation costs back in tax over seven years. Perfect. So right. what the property in Waterford that we bought, we bought for 100,000 mm-hmm. and we have now put in in renovation costs about 520,000, mm-hmm. so well over the 400,000. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then we will put in invoices to revenue for 400,000 mm-hmm. and if they approve it, we will then get uh, 20%, uh, 50%, 50% back, so 200,000. So we already... Uh, in last year 2017 put in the house and its location and part of the renovation costs to revenue which was a three-page application Mm -hmm. and that application had to be approved by Waterford Council Mm -hmm. so in the living city the property has to be built before 1916 Mm -hmm. okay it has to be the revenue have published on their website a map for each of the six cities mm-hmm. and that map is down to individual houses right so on one side of the street it could be property number 40 but not mm-hmm. 42 okay and it could be not the other side of the street mm-hmm. so if you're buying in the living city so for example in dublin uh, it is most of the city center mm-hmm. would say you know that overlaps on the south side between dublin two four six and eight mm-hmm. so when you're we'll say close to the river nearly all of the property is it's only then as you come to the canal there are streets that might be part of living city and part not so if you're buying in a certain area you have to look on the living city map map. on the revenue website to see is it Mm -hmm. um so when you went to look in waterford did you particularly pick waterford versus limerick yes because waterford was waterford uh, and limerick were the two city centers that the initiative was rolled out first yeah so therefore you knew that they were the in waterford and limerick were the first two cities Mm -hmm. so the living city as from a date purpose was started off there about two years before it started off in dublin and the other cities okay so when you saw this property for sale that was a hundred thousand did it say on the property that it qualified as living city not at all no no no. so nobody knew about it so it didn't say so i uh, because been in the georgian society they had said there was a map uh the map when i bought it in 2014 Mm -hmm. the map wasn't on the revenue website oh so then i rang up revenue and then they emailed me a draft map so where i bought the house was well inside the living city so the details the fine line of the outside of the map Mm -hmm. wasn't but that property is about two minutes walk from Reginald's Tower in mm-hmm, Waterford mm-hmm. and that's in the heart of the regeneration area. So maybe about, you know, mm-hmm. 300 metres in every direction around that is all part of the living city. OK, so just to be clear, when you bought it, I know it didn't say it was part of the living city, but when you actually agreed to buy it, did you know then that it was part of it? Or were you just hoping it was? Boring? I was hoping, yeah. So oh. the Living City was announced, and yeah. it kept. It was supposed to be formalised in the twenty twelve budget, and yeah. it wasn't. And in the twenty thirteen budget, right? And it wasn't. Right. So it turned out actually that the Living City only started on the fifth of May, twenty fifteen. Okay. And I finalised the purchase of that property 
uh, in October 2014. So you actually bought it kind of with your fingers spec- crossed hoping. Exactly. Yeah. God, that was brave. And then w- when it was announced, they had the Georgian Society and the housing community had recommended because of the shortage of houses that a landlord's living city would be really beneficial because they knew even back then there was going to be a shortage of apartments. Okay, so okay. originally the whole concept of the living city was just for owner-occupiers, is that right? Well, there was two, there was three actually. Originally it was for commercial, so if you were a solicitor's office or if you were a hardware store or, and you are offices that you could do commercial, mm-hmm. so that would be... The definition of that is providing services for the state, which includes retail. Okay. Okay. Um, and then, and it was the landlord one. So you could take a big old Georgian house, uh, which maybe was in bedsits, mm-hmm. uh, which are, were not approved, but that it could be reinstated to provide apartments that would then meet all the regulatory requirements. So mm-hmm. instead, maybe of two bedsits per floor, mm-hmm. you could have one apartment per floor. Okay. Uh, and that was what was envisaged and then was the residential so that if you bought an old house uh, as your family home mm-hmm. that the tax incentive would apply but when the government worked through the scheme they in 2014-15 they only brought on the residential element so if it oh. was your own home mm-hmm. and the commercial element mm. and what was most needed to prevent the housing issue that we have now mm-hmm. was the landlord one Goodness so even though that was in the draft of the initial mm-hmm. bills mm-hmm. it didn't actually come into the budget in 2014 or 2015 God. or 2016 oh. so it was only the landlord initiative only came into effect from the 1st of January 2017. Goodness, so you had bought, you had agreed to buy a property in... In October 2014, we've bought it, yeah. Right, so even though you had bought it before the landlord um, incentives were introduced, were you still able to avail of them? No. No. So the thing is that it was totally unclear during those years uh, whether the landlord one came under the commercial Mm -hmm. because technically providing housing is considered a service within the state. So that mm-hmm. was the definition of the landlord initiative under mm-hmm. the commercial one. But I couldn't get revenue to say it was or it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I contacted the housing department. Uh, so it wasn't clear. So I then decided, and I'm glad I did, to not start the renovations mm-hmm. because only approved the time frame can you get the tax incentive in the approved time frame. Okay, so we'll we'll fast forward then. That was a, a tricky time where your fingers were crossed yeah. and the legislation was coming. But so now you are someone who owns a property for 100,000 in the Living City Initiative. Yeah. And now the appropriate legislation has been introduced whereby you can apply Available, to yeah. uh, uh, make this into... Um, yeah. But maybe I should just say, just mm-hmm. to speed up on as well, is that we started the whole... so. When you have, we'll say, a property that has bedsit in it, you have to get approval from the local council mm-hmm. for the fire, for uh, disability access, mm-hmm. and from the conservation officer. Mm-hmm. So generally, the property has to be before 1916, mm-hmm. and in the city centres, the properties would be well before that. They might be from 1800, 1820. Mm-hmm. So generally, they're on the list of protected structures. Mm-hmm. So the planning approval for those three approvals took us nearly 18 months. Gosh. So we couldn't have started the renovation anyway, uh, anyway without the various approvals. And what was interesting in, in the city that we did it, 
we understood there was only maybe one property. Our property was the only one going for these approvals mm -hmm. because in 2014, 2015, there was very little business going on. Mm -hmm. And they have three months to get back to you, even on a two or three page application. And each of the different sections of the council waited the completely till the end of the three month period to get back with approvals. Right. So it just, and you had to do them sequentially. Right. And you couldn't put in, we say the one Wheelchair. on fire if you hadn't done the disability one, if you hadn't oh. done the conservation one. So what so, was the first building block? What was the first one you had to get So done? the first one we did was fire. Right. Because that is obviously the most important. Okay. And so the I you have to have a buildings compliance officer now that does the plans mm -hmm. and someone that can design the planning. And so it's down at the wiring changes. You know, it's not mm -hmm. just a general thing. It's actually down to the materials. What's the plasterboard? What is the okay. rubber around the wiring? So that's yeah. quite significant. So the first um, one we did was fire. And what's interesting, when we went to the conservation officer, that she has her own approval system, which is separate from the fire. And even though I've met that dealing with other councils, they're like two parallel approvals. So, for example, the conservation lady says you have to keep the coving. Mm -hmm. And that is kind of a criminal offence, you know, that you can get uh, sanctioned in prison and have a personal fine and you're personally responsible. If you but remove it. If you mm -hmm. remove it. Mm -hmm. But the fire officer says if you don't remove the coving and replace the ceiling with one hour plasterboard ceiling and mm -hmm. then you replaster over it, mm -hmm. that someone, there wouldn't be a one hour fire rating between an apartment on the first floor mm -hmm. and an apartment on the second floor. And if someone dies, that's also a criminal offence. Uh, so that's an interesting dilemma that every Gosh. council has. And of course, I've met it in other ones. So mm -hmm. we decided to do fire first because mm -hmm. obviously you don't want someone to die in the mm -hmm. building. And then the conservation officer said that she didn't agree then with the repairs being made to make to fulfill mm -hmm. the fire uh, officer. And so I then brought them together with my buildings compliance officer to meet and said everyone must have the same issue in a protected structure mm -hmm. and that someone had to make the decision whether fire would go before conservation. Mm -hmm. And then they didn't really want to make the decision. But mm -hmm. at that meeting, I said I was going to put the fire regulations above the coving that we would mm -hmm. take down the coving, get the moldings done and then replace it as it would be, which mm -hmm. we agreed to do, because obviously if you had it beautifully coving and then three people died upstairs, that wouldn't mm -hmm. be correct. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's, it is a tricky scheme in God. that what really what I suggested to Waterford Council and would be completely doable, it turns out it was the same drawing by my surveyor because mm -hmm. he made the drawings to be compliant with disability, fire and conservation mm -hmm. from the outset mm -hmm. because he knew the various regulations. Mm -hmm that the approval process should be, they should all sit in a room. So mm -hmm. the fire, you know, the mm -hmm. fire officer can do his approval independently, the disability officer and the conservation officer. Mm -hmm. But before it comes back to the owner, uh, they should meet and agree the approvals, yes mm -hmm. or no, for the three of them. And then, mm -hmm. so that should all be done, even if it took six months. But to get the fire officer approval separately and then have to go to the conservation officer mm -hmm. and negotiate whether fire or conservation Trumps. win. Mm -hmm. That's not really up to an owner mm -hmm. to do and to have such a, I think the penalties are 12.7 million mm. uh, and five years in prison. God. So it's interesting. So you need to be brave. Very brave. And also it sounds like at that meeting, you were the one person who was leading because yeah. they were probably all 
minding their own patches. So exactly. So what I said to them is I'm not the first person because I know when we did in other houses mm -hmm. that it was exactly the same issue because mm -hmm. there's another issue that I came across in protected structures where there was mold mm -hmm. uh, and then if you have asthmatics or people with eczema mm -hmm. uh, that you have to get rid of the mold and that you have to um, introduce different heating and different uh, more ventilation and if the windows don't account for sufficient ventilation you have to dig a you know make a hole through the wall to allow mm -hmm. the air to come in although to get rid of the mold and in that case that was in Dublin mm -hmm. uh, they didn't they weren't worried about the health issues right. they just wanted the protective structure and said no you can't change the structure of the building even if it results in mold so that uh, which would be a, a danger so it meant that someone who was a asthmatic couldn't live in the house mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, at that time I said, but that can't be right. If you have an asthmatic who lives in the house, you surely you have to be able to modify the house to make it so that their asthma doesn't get worse. So that was a case where the conservation officers were kind of overruling the health of the occupants, okay. which I thought was a bit crazy, but it turns out there is no um, integration between the fire regulations, the health regulations, mm -hmm. the disability. Goodness, so you have to be the integrator, the person who's yeah. most interested in getting them integrated exactly. has to be the energy behind so it. So what I recommended very early on Waterford Council is that for that perhaps because they are a very good council and leading it in Ireland, mm -hmm. that they should also be leading the mechanism of integrating yes. the various reports associated with the house gotcha. and that this surely it could be possible that they had a mechanism that each one got two months yeah. and then for the last month they arranged a meeting that yeah. they would integrate it. So, yeah. so I suppose you just have to be brave. Yeah, you know. that sounds very brave. Yeah. Okay, so you've, you've got your building, you've done your fire, you've done your conservation, you've done your wheelchair access. Yeah. Now... And just to say as well, in the one in the building in Waterford, it's two-storey over basement mm -hmm. and there had to be wheelchair access which took up about a quarter of the living space of the apartments mm -hmm. between the bedroom and the bathrooms as yeah. if a wheelchair door which took up a significant amount of space yeah. even though there was no lift in the building and so it's up about 70 steps so that someone in a wheelchair couldn't get up to the second floor but you still had to make the but second you still floor had second. to make all the apartments as if there was a wheelchair person living there even Good though Lord. they couldn't get up which took up a significant amount of space that seems nuts and they didn't make you put in a lift or anything no that seems mad. Yeah. So although all the rooms are wheelchair accessible, we're looking at a basement, we're looking at... Yeah, ground you, floor. So then, to get into the basement, you have steps and to get up, there's Georgian uh, granite steps. There's about eight of them. So there's and they're too steep for a wheelchair access. And then to get up to the second floor, you have about 75 steps in a spiral staircase. But then when you go into the apartments, a huge amount of space is in the hallways so that a wheelchair can get between all the rooms. That doesn't make any sense no. at all. Each of the apartments has to be in itself. So they could have accessible. been a two bedroom apartment if you didn't have the wheelchair access. Good luck. And you can't put anything into the hallway space, you know, no shelving or anything. So they didn't insist on you putting wheelchair access into the building? No. And yet but they just did insist on Into the apart apartments, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so that they could have been two sense. two bed, you know, they could have been two bed apartments, yeah. but they're one bed apartment because a significant amount of space uh, went between the for the right. wheelchair doors, and all of them are what there are multiple extra doors because of the wheelchair access, and they're all fire doors, which are significantly Gosh, more, more expensive. expensive. Yeah, 
Right. So Dolores, okay, that sounds absolutely mind-blowing craziness going on there. But on the other hand, once you know it, so part yeah. of the reason why I'd be very interested in helping people with yes. the Living City Initiative would yeah. be that once you know it, you just have to, you know, for, suck it up. Suck it up, but also it would be useful to engage someone that just says that to the owner. These are the issues. Yes. We can't do anything about it. Let's do the fire report first, then the disability, then go to the conservation officer yeah. and then sign off on it and, and save a lot of frustration yeah. as well and time. Because if yeah. you know it, there is no point antagonizing any of those officers because they're working within a system yeah. and they agree that it's crazy. Yeah. But until someone approaches a minister or the department with the solution, yeah. some a software solution that they, you know, you load up all the documents yeah. and then they integrate it. Each one of those officers can't change the system on their own. Yeah. Okay. Gosh. Okay. So when you were doing up your um, building, just tell us about the building. What size of it? And it's so it's about three hundred and sixty square meters. Yeah. Uh, it's three story over basement. Okay. And double fronted. Um, windows either side of the no door. there's two windows on one side on one and side. the door so yeah. I don't know mm -hmm. so three windows on the top mm -hmm. uh, floor three windows on the first floor and then two windows to the left mm -hmm. of the main door mm -hmm. and then three windows in the basement mm -hmm. and what's very useful in this building is there's a separate access to the side to go into the basement right, nice. so a separate doorway as well mm -hmm. um, and the it's about 350 square meters mm -hmm. and when you were deciding what residential units to convert this into you could have possibly made it one whole family house I'm yes. sure that never occurred to you or maybe did well so we did but, so yeah. so the previous house had previously been four apartments so it was actually owned by Dr and Mrs Hill right. and Mrs Hill was a famous racehorse owner oh. um, and he was the local doctor and he owned the houses two houses to the left two houses to the right and they had a garden at the back that was about one acre mm -hmm. and this was their house and it's about two minutes walk from Reginald's Tower mm -hmm. in Waterford so right in the center um, and then they sold it in the night and they gave it to their four children so each of their four children had an apartment so there was four oh, floors okay. so in the 1930s then it was four apartments mm -hmm. and then as time went on it was sold mm -hmm. uh, in the 50s and then it was used as a uh, uh, flats will say bed sits mm -hmm. and so when we bought it there were seven apartments seven bed sits right. in it seven residential yeah. units Grand. so there was one unit in the basement mm -hmm. and then two units in each of the three floors right but of course they were done with plasterboard and kind mm -hmm. of a warren of uh, yeah. you know kitchens yeah. and but what was interesting is they were easy enough to remove. Right. So we, we didn't touch anything, of course, until we got all the permissions, mm -hmm. which was about 18 months. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it was agreed that we had to remove all of this warren mm -hmm. of kitchens mm -hmm. and bathrooms. So we did actually, when that took a significant amount of time, that, mm -hmm. that, that took place in 2015, 2016. So that isn't reimbursable through the Living City mm -hmm. Initiative. So I didn't know that done okay. then. So that probably came to a hundred thousand right. to between the planning and the uh, getting rid of it. And the getting rid of it. And because some of plasterboard is special disposal waste, you have to get you know people to take the skips and make sure that it's approved in a regulated disposal. Mm -hmm. um, and there's not that many people, it turns out, in the country that would do that. 
Um, so that actually, at the time, I thought it might be refundable under the Living City, but we just wanted it to go ahead. Mm -hmm. So it meant, though, for a year, when the plasterboard was gone, the house was actually back to its four Original, open beautiful. rooms. So mm. you could have actually had a ball on the ground floor Lovely. and on the first floor. So it was fabulous because none, there was no structural walls in the remaining of the house. Yeah. It was done so well. So it was beautiful. Mm. And the windows... Um, are nine over nine, so fabulous uh, 10 foot. So the ceilings are about 12 foot high. Beautiful. And the windows are about 10 foot high, so fabulous. And they have all the shutters as well. Wow. So it was. So you tempted? I to was. Have so, a ball. So for, so for what would have been 180,000, mm -hmm. you basically had a beautiful house. And, you know, empty house yes. that actually, you know, if you decided you just wanted one kitchen in the basement yeah. and one. And it was beautifully warm. Yeah. And actually our uh, conservation surveyor, uh, you know, was actually emotional when he saw the roof Gosh. because there was no screws in it. It was done like Westminster Abbey, just by, you know, all fitting in on each other. Right. And like the, um, it was fabulous 300-year-old oak and absolutely beautiful. It was so beautiful that when we took off the ceiling of the top apartment, I wanted to see if we could have a glass ceiling. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like Westminster Abbey. It was, it was so beautiful, so to, beautiful see. to see. Did you need to have any ceiling? Could you just remove? That's what I tried know? to do that as well, but he mm. said no. That it would cost, you know, maybe a hundred and twenty. You know, to do that yeah. and for the fire mm. aspect of it, that you know, I asked actually got him to look at it to see even if we could just have glass ceiling mm -hmm. so you could see the roof. Yeah. Uh, but he looked into it and it was prohibitive. So okay. obviously, but if it was your own home, yeah, you, you would be able to do it. So we did, like, the other thing I was thinking, we could sell our own house in Dublin and just live there Yeah, with a fabulous house. So we did think of it. You'd have yeah. no mortgage. You'd, yeah, you know, it's yeah. beautiful. Totally yeah. understand. It's amazing yeah. what a building will do. <laughs> yeah. It'll make all sorts of suggestions. Yeah. So I love it. And uh, what's nice is uh, my um, Vivian McNamee is my excellent conservation surveyor and he loves it as well. Mm -hmm. So I think you have to really love these buildings as I well. I agree. Yeah. So, so you had your beautiful blank canvas of a building back to its bare bones. Yeah. And what made you decide what to turn it into? You know, you could have turned it into a few different combinations of residential units. How did you come up with what you? So that's what did you come up with? What by we the did. Way? So what we came up with was well, the fire officer is really the regulations okay. for fire, is because you have to have a certain amount of time and distance to mm -hmm. get out of the building. Mm -hmm. Um. So. And we could have put it into a commercial. We could have redone it to solicitor's offices. Mm -hmm. um, and that would have still qualified. It would have still mm -hmm. qualified. And in fact, we could have done that from 2015. Mm -hmm. Yes. So that would have been, but actually that was during a recession in mm -hmm. Waterford. And there are a lot of non-residential buildings that are used as offices in Waterford. And the rent is quite low mm -hmm. so it means you would never have broken even mm -hmm. even with the tax incentives mm -hmm. for the amount of money okay um and of course just to mention the reason why we bought it in 2014 was that there was another tax incentive mm -hmm. the capital gains incentive mm -hmm. that was coming to an end of the 31st of december 2014 mm -hmm. so at that time it was if you held on to a property for seven years mm -hmm. then you didn't uh, pay the 35% capital gains tax when you sold it. If so there was an uplift? If, no, whenever, so normally you pay 35% capital gains mm -hmm. if you repair mm -hmm. uh, a property and then sell it on. Mm -hmm. But uh, Only if there's something to tax though. Only if, if there's have, something to tax, yeah, yeah that's true. Um, so in this one, but of course in the recession, uh, 
the property that I got as well didn't have any title mm -hmm. and it was uh, a bank sale as a forced sale mm -hmm. against the owner. Now it turns out the owner was happy that it went. It wasn't, mm -hmm. yeah, it was always uh, yeah. a commercial building so mm -hmm. there was no issue but there was no title and the bank, you were dealing with the bank. Right. And so the process, uh, you yeah. know, it meant it was much slower. Yeah. For So the bank yeah. would only sell. So initially my first bid was 48 thousand right. and seven other bidders came and went yeah but the process of the bank agreeing to the sale probably took like 10 weeks right. it's not like when you're buying yes. from a normal yes. person so yes. it had to go to various committees yeah. but the reason why we bought it in 2014 was there was a capital gains incentive so mm -hmm. that if you bought it in up to the end of 2014 mm -hmm. if you did make money mm -hmm. from the renovations and held on to it for seven years mm -hmm. you wouldn't have to pay 35 mm -hmm. percent capital gains and what's interesting is that i would make a loss probably if you did have to pay 35 percent capital mm -hmm. gains so that incentive is gone now mm. uh, and so it's not as lucrative now you mm -hmm. know what i mean so yeah so you were getting all the incentives going yeah, which is so yeah. impressive but it's just to say that you would want to really think it through mm -hmm. and buy it uh, right. you know buy it cheap and hold on to it and then it turns out that just in the 2017 budget last December, they unexpectedly changed that capital gains thing from mm -hmm. seven years down to four. Oh. So it means that when I, in October 2018 now, mm -hmm. uh, if I did want to sell it, mm -hmm. Uh, I wouldn't have to pay capital gains, which is, you know, they're trying to get people back into the mm -hmm. market. Great. But just, I think, from the housing and the department point of view, that, you know, it's a huge risk that people do to mm. renovate these houses. Yeah. And I can see why people are selling them and under living city as well uh, if you sell it on so if you never use it so say if you renovate it as a mm -hmm. landlord building mm -hmm. or a commercial building mm -hmm. and you never use it for one day mm -hmm. yourself you can sell it on mm -hmm. and all the living city relief mm -hmm. is passed on to the buyer oh right so if the buyer is going to use it as their family home mm -hmm. they will get the full relief right and the same thing if it's a commercial property. Okay. So they will get the full relief. Oh. But if you rent it for six months as mm -hmm. a landlord, or if you want it as your family home and mm -hmm. you live in it for six months as mm -hmm. your family home and then sell it, mm -hmm. you lose. You can't pass it on to okay. the next person. Okay. So, yeah. um, so you have your bare bones building and it looks lovely and you're tempted and the fire regulations are kind of determining how many units. Yes. So how many units did it? So in the basement, um, so per floor, it's about uh, 90 square meters. Right. And so in the basement, you could only put in one right. apartment. So that's a, a two, two bed. bedroom, mm -hmm. two shower room nice. uh, apartment and mm -hmm. a big kitchen living room. On the ground floor, it's a two bed, two uh, shower room, mm -hmm. one apartment mm -hmm. again. And then on the first floor and the second floor, there are two one-bed apartments. Oh, okay, so four, ensuite. five, six, a total of six Six apartments, units. yeah. Okay. So it had been seven and now it's six, mm -hmm. yeah. Very and the good. layout of the first and second floor are identical. All right, great. So you've bought it for a hundred, you've already spent 80 on it. Now you want to get into it and start making it into these residential units. Yeah. Did you have to go for planning for these residential? So units? that is the fire is part, that is okay. planning. Yeah, okay. So planning is mm -hmm. the fire report mm -hmm. is part of planning. The disability is part of planning and conservation is part of planning. So did you know, know what number of units you were going for when you went for these? Certs? So it turns out that Vivian, who Vivian McNamee, mm -hmm. who is the surveyor mm -hmm. and the building's compliance officer, 
He, he uh, runs uh, McNamee Surveyors Limited in mm -hmm. uh, Dundalk and his brother is an architect. Mm -hmm. So basically they designed the layout mm -hmm. knowing the laws. Uh, laws and how many the minimum square meters you can mm -hmm. have per unit right. and also the minimum number of doors that can be between yeah. a bedroom and an exit right. um, and also that you can't have a bathroom beside a kitchen mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so they designed it one layout and then submitted it to the fire officer in Waterford Council right. And then he came back after three months, which I was a little bit annoyed with because mm -hmm. I knew there was no other applications. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, yeah, how yeah, did it, take that it you yeah. know, it is just one map. Each one is a sheet like mm -hmm. A3. Uh, but he did come back after three months on the last day and said it was oh. the first time that he never had to amend anything, Goodness. that it was done perfectly. But of course, in the background, Vivian had to say to me, oh yes, I do have to have eight meters here in a hall, you know, or whatever, you know, yeah. this huge space that's wasted space that couldn't, you know. So Vivian said, I'm sorry, Dolores, you know, while I can tweak things, yeah. we're not gonna do it. So because he, of course, had to say, no, look, you can't, you know, there's no point if we put it in with the wrong drawing, it, we won't get it'll it. take three times. Yeah. So the fire report guy came back and said he'd never wow. had one where it would met everything. Goodness. And then the same thing with the disability was approved without change and the conservation officer. Oh, now I well would say Vivian. I have ne well, well done, done Vivian. So he never, so that's, I couldn't do this without Vivian McNamee. Yeah. So understood. Yeah. So that was perfect. So it meant that, but because the approvals were sequential, that that took uh, from the middle of 20, uh, 15 to the middle of 2016 okay and then we started to get once you can't touch it as well mm -hmm. you can't do anything with the building mm -hmm. so this building had steel shutters Except on the doors do all and the certification works whatever yeah needed. but you can't touch anything yeah. you can't actually go in really to the building and change anything Okay, so maybe I've missed something here. You know when you're talking about getting the fire cert? So Vivian goes in and does his drawings, but yes. I can't go in and do anything. We can't actually go into the building really and change anything. Okay, so all the certification is on the basis of what you are going to do, yes. not on the basis of what you have done. No, no, not gotcha. at all. So you're not, it's also a criminal offence mm -hmm. with a protected structure to change anything mm -hmm. before you get the approvals. So what did you spend the 80,000 on then? All the... So, so the planning permissions would say came to about 40,000 yeah. because you, each time you apply, you have to pay per square meter oh God, for right. the, each report. Mm -hmm. uh, so that might be only 4,000 for the fire officer, mm -hmm. 4,000 for disability, mm -hmm. 4,000. And then obviously Vivian has to mm -hmm. do the drawings. Mm -hmm. So you pay for the planning process, mm -hmm. and, but you're not allowed touch anything in the building okay. because it means the conservation officer at any stage or any of them mm -hmm. can come in to check that what Vivian drew that was currently there mm -hmm. is there. Mm -hmm. And that's also a criminal offence, so mm -hmm. you're not allowed. But then when you get the approvals, which mm -hmm. was a year later, mm -hmm. then they gave the approval that we could take down all the all 1970s the yeah, the plasterwork and, and there was mould and everything in it. Right. So that was toxic, you know. Yeah. Um, so that took, was saved well, till, from 2016 to 2017. Mm -hmm. And then we started in 2017. But of course, we had got quotes from builders and then the building industry took off. Mm -hmm. So the prices went up for the same mm -hmm. amount of job by about 25% right. between 2016 and 2017. Right. And then we couldn't find them then. You mm -hmm. know, we had to wait until yeah, October because everybody picked up. 
So it's kind of a counter cyclical thing with the government. So they re I mean, everyone knew who was watching the economy. They should really, the Irish Georgian Society had launched this initiative 20, 2005 and six. And if they had pushed this through in 20, mm -hmm. 2007, when we had all of our electricians mm -hmm. and architects mm -hmm. and everybody doing nothing, mm -hmm. we wouldn't have the housing issue now. Yeah. And people involved in it mm -hmm. knew mm -hmm. it was a brilliant idea. And mm -hmm. these Georgian buildings, you know, they've been there for 200 years. But if the roof isn't right, the whole fabric of the building and the coving will go mm -hmm. as with our building, you know, mm -hmm. once it gets wet and damp or whatever. So... It just is a learning, I suppose, that probably politicians come come and go too quickly. Yeah. That they should have actually yeah. really started this initiative in 2008 and nine, mm -hmm. and reskilled even. You know, took yeah. all the skilled people and just yeah. You know, really incentivized it. it. Would have been fabulous, and we wouldn't have the homeless crisis we have now. Yeah, isn't that interesting? And I suppose God. what the Green Party, uh, or which I agree with, is that if we do do this, they should really have like water harvesting things, or mm -hmm. try and use the heat systems from the groundwater mm. and really try and renovate these in an eco-friendly manner. Okay, so we, we, you know what units you're going to build. Now you're yeah. well into the building of these yes. units and you've figured out what your total cost is going to be roughly. It's going to be, what, 580 to do the whole So job? we got a quote. So what happens, well, I would recommend for everyone as well. So even though in my real job, I project manage things yeah. from my experience dealing with builders, yeah. even... Uh, if you know what you want that towards not in this job but in other jobs I've done mm -hmm. is that they ratchet up the mm -hmm. things that need to be done in mm -hmm. the last month or so so that you might agree a budget and then suddenly things start appearing which might be maybe 40% of the budget mm -hmm. towards the end so that the you know in general so this time I agreed with Vivian that he would project manage the entire budget and he would make the final decision uh, and get the quotes from the builders and that if we approved a builder that he would go with mm -hmm. that we would go with that he would make the final decisions with the builder and mm -hmm. not me so when the builder gave the quote for the work that had to be done which was didn't include certain aspects mm -hmm. like the windows it came to 285,000 mm -hmm. so that would be for the bones of the building mm -hmm. putting in the you know sewage works and the water works and the electricity mm -hmm. and uh, but wouldn't include things like bathrooms, tilings, kitchens, yeah. and didn't include the windows. So that came to 285,000. Mm -hmm. And then the builder agreed a time frame. And we also agreed the what stage payments. So the time frame uh, was eight months. Right. Mm. Um, so, and that's, and he stuck to that. Mm -hmm. But what's really good for me is that I don't then talk to the builder about money at all. Wonderful. And then if there are additional payments that are, you know, things... I think there was a sewage pipe that had to be increased and a water mm -hmm. pipe and then the road had to be mm -hmm. taken up which required mm -hmm. a license from the council mm -hmm. and that was extra but the builder agrees that with Vivian my Excellent. surveyor yeah. and Vivian of course because he does it he knows how much it is mm -hmm. and then Vivian would apply for the license we pay for that and then he does the extra work and that's added on to the sheet you know mm -hmm. so the 285,000 is whatever and then if there's extras the builder can only put them on if they're agreed in advance with mm -hmm. Vivian great. and then I don't discuss the budget with the builder at all brilliant that sounds great so and then the builder does it all and now there is a regulation for a building's compliance officer mm -hmm. so if there is any issue subsequently in the building mm -hmm. Vivian is the one the building's compliance officer will be sued by future tenants right. He's or, on the me, for it all. or me or mm me -hmm. 
uh, if something goes wrong. Mm -hmm. So he then makes unannounced visits to the builder to ensure that if they agreed a certain material which meets fire mm -hmm. regulations, like plasterboard or insulation yeah, or wiring, quality, that yeah. it's actually the relationship is between the builder and Vivian, mm -hmm. and I Great. just pay the money. So it's Wonderful. and if anything goes wrong, uh, Vivian would be sued, not me, by Great. me, by the council, by the builder. Great. So it, it's I would recommend it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It means I don't have to worry, and of course you have to have insurance, obviously, for these buildings as well. It, yeah. It's also a criminal offence subject to imprisonment if you don't have insurance right. and in Ireland uh, none of the insurance companies will insure a building that's empty more than six months right so if you you can't apply for planning if a building isn't insured you can't renovate it if it isn't insured mm -hmm. and there is no company insurance company in Ireland <laughs> <laughs> I'm exhausted <laughs> And all these things are fined by like five years in prison and everything is 12 million. Yeah. And, and you go to the high court as well. Yeah. Like none of these are like, you know, they're straight to the high court. Yeah. So, of course, I couldn't get one, having rung around um, and rang Vivian then, in, you know, yeah. whatever, and said, how do people do it? It's the same. So this mm -hmm. is like part of the learning. Yeah. Like, so th but I would have rung AXA and Zurich yeah. and because there's only one or two companies that do protective structures mm -hmm. at all, mm -hmm. being AXA. But if they don't do the ones that are empty, it also means for the government and for, you know, the owners around the country who are, or the banks even, that mm -hmm. that actually is, means if they were going on fire, there's nobody, you know, the whole thing could go up and mm -hmm. there's, they're not insured. So Vivian has a broker who works in these cases and only Lloyds of London will do it, you know, right. the, the insurer of last resort. God. So that building in Waterford is, I'm very grateful them is insured by Lloyds of London. So, okay. you know, I wouldn't have known that. I, all the insurance companies didn't know. You know, when I mm -hmm. rang, I said, surely I can't be the only person who yeah. owns a Georgian building yeah, that's, that's empty. empty. Uh, and they didn't know. So it's very interesting. It is interesting. Yeah. Okay, so now we've bought our building. We've spent 100. Now we've got a 285 for yeah. the builder. We've had 80 for the planning and the yeah. get rid of all the other stuff. Yeah. Where else are we at in terms of... So then, um, because I've renovated other ones, we did the kitchen. So I have a very good kitchen person who did our own kitchen in the basement and in other properties we had. So he does a bespoke kitchen. Mm -hmm. So it's French oak mm -hmm. and in any style you want. Uh, and he also will make it, which is brilliant, to fit any little space. And generally in the mm -hmm. small buildings, we do the very small dishwashers, mm -hmm. the small washing machines. Mm -hmm. So it works out for him about 4,000 per kitchen. kitchen. And that includes all the carpentry, but not the machines. Not the machines, yeah. yeah. So that's that's very good. Yeah. And uh, we do it in stage payments. So I give mm -hmm. him 50% and then he does it when it's finished. And we have, we've done, we have a very good relationship. Great. So, and I let him design it more or less yeah. because I just say we want to do it. And he also gets in, you know, in the corner ones uh, yeah, where you can pull out the shelves. So it's all yeah. quite modern. And if mm -hmm. you can get a, a rack one that you can pull out for oh, all yeah. your various no, things. So. Now, in this property as well, I, I had offered to pay him for wardrobes mm. or for say the ceilings are very high mm. to see if there's, you know, something that you could do for storage. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but it turns out uh, that it wasn't probably as well designed for that between the doors and the windows and where the radiators were mm. and where the beds will be, we'll say there wasn't that much room for wardrobes, mm. 
which is oh. probably a design issue. So there will only be small ones, mm -hmm. not substantial ones. So and because we're renting it to Waterford Council under the repair and lease scheme, uh, they will put the wardrobes in. So I was going to do kind of safe space, you know, storage efficient ones that would be 10 feet high mm. and that you could maybe have, you know, suitcases on the top mm. and they would be fastened to the wall. Anyway, so basically we didn't do that. So he's just going to do the kitchen. So that works out maybe at 30,000. Yeah. And then the windows, there were 28 windows. Right. And the repair. Front and back? All over. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So some of the mainly front and back mm -hmm. and there's some on the side. Mm. Um, and they, there is one window that is about um, four meters high. So it's got wow. a beautiful fan. It's a light. It's on the stairs. Mm. Um, and so that requires specialists because obviously we have to keep the glass. Mm -hmm. um, so the whole windows repair will come to about a hundred thousand. Oh my God, Lois! And it's that's not counted. In, yeah. Okay, so let's just I, and I also really appreciate the detail. The conservation as well. officer as well. The windows were in such bad repair that we got the first window guy to do it. Yeah. And there was wasn't hardly any timber left. So even though it was very lucrative. Mm. He only did the first five. When you say to do it, to repair the existing, to repair the existing, existing ones. Windows, so right? he did the first one, five in the basement, which yeah. weren't the easiest to do. They, right. you know, not very ornate, six yeah. panels over six. And he said that there was hardly any timber left. Right. And that it was really tricky to sign off that they would stand the test of time. Okay. And so he didn't want to take the rest of the windows. Right. So it meant we spent about four months mm. because the conservation officer we didn't want to put in replacement ones, mm -hmm. but obviously if we couldn't get anyone to repair them. Because they were too them, expensive. No, because uh -huh. the conservation officer wouldn't allow it. Oh, okay. No, yeah. so replacement windows. But on the other hand, if you can't get anyone, we went all over Ireland yeah. that could actually guarantee that when they would be repaired, they wouldn't shatter. Yeah. You know, they wouldn't just de yeah. degrade. Uh, but so even on a case by case basis, we were happy if she would just look at them. Yeah. Uh, but she, no, they all have to be repaired. So there's no guarantee that in 20 years time, they won't have to be replaced, mm -hmm. you know, because mm -hmm. they mightn't stand the mm -hmm. test of time and they probably will be drafty mm. because they won't, they're not flush, you know. Okay, so the conservation architect wouldn't have been happy for you to replace the windows. Even no, and even we weren't on a case by case. Yeah. It's not like, you know, we might say the bottom half if it's irreparable, mm -hmm. but they all have to be repaired. Oh so, my God. so it means that they will be repaired, but they mightn't be flush. They mm -hmm. will be drafty. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's it's not ideal, you know, no. when you think, like, so replacing them would be cheaper, obviously. Okay. And much quicker. Okay, so you'll have it all done for X amount, whatever it yeah. was. So. Yeah, so probably the total would be, of the repair, about 560,000. Right. And then the cost of the building was 100,000. Okay, and you are saying that you can claim back the repair up to... 50% of 400,000, yeah. is that right? So the maximum you're going to be able to claim back in tax is 200,000. Exactly. And do you claim that back as a once off? So that's very good. So that's a very good question. So revenue and the council have a three page form. So in you're not supposed to start the renovations without just submitting the three pager, which mm -hmm. you do. Uh, so there's a time frame. So we did that between we had got the uh, conservation sign-off mm -hmm. but we hadn't found the builder you know mm -hmm. we were sending out the quotes mm -hmm. so it's a very simple three-page form mm -hmm. in word and you just 
tick that yes you do have planning permission you do have fire it is a protected structure or it's before mm -hmm. 1916 and you submit that to Waterford Council mm -hmm. Conservation Officer mm -hmm. uh, and then they send you an email back to say yes mm -hmm. so you do get a code number for each of these reports mm -hmm. and then you just forward that email with the attachment to revenue okay and very quickly within two weeks revenue give you a reference number yeah and when the building is so when I submit my form 11 for mm -hmm. various things and I have to say I bought the property and I'm mm -hmm. paying local property tax on it mm -hmm. and then I don't claim anything on that because I say it is part of living city initiative okay and then I will claim for it when it's finished right Okay, so that goes on for a few years. So yeah. I've been doing that 2014-15. And then when it's finished and when the building's compliance officer who works for me signs off on it, mm -hmm. and then Waterford Council come and they also sign off on mm -hmm. it. Uh, and then I then put in my invoices mm -hmm. to revenue. Mm -hmm. So my main invoice will mm -hmm. be for the builder, mm -hmm. which probably in the end will be, he's also paying the windows on my behalf. Mm -hmm. So one invoice for me will be more than 400,000. Okay. And he tracks everything. So that was just one PDF file. So mm -hmm. it will be quite simple. Mm -hmm. And then when revenue approve it, if they approve it, when mm -hmm. they approve it. So they've already, like once you have the reference number and I did meet with mm -hmm. revenue before we started, uh, and it, is, it will be a simple process. What's very interesting is when they do approve, if they approve the 400,000, mm -hmm. that then, so it works out at, um, let's say 26,000 a year. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you get 15% uh, for the first six years yeah. of the cost. And then in the seventh year, you get 10% just okay. to work out at 100. So it's over seven years. It's over seven years, but you get, you know, one, uh, 15% first year to sixth year of the mm -hmm. cost back. But once they approve it once, so mm -hmm. that will work out for me, we say 2,300 a month, mm -hmm. that you then don't have to fill in any other thing with revenue. You'll just get 2,300 into As your bank credit. account, directly into your bank account oh. in cash, from the first month that it's approved until the seven years. So you don't have to put it into any form oh 11. God. And it doesn't matter what income you have, it's after tax. So it doesn't matter whether you live abroad or whether you're PAYE. Mm -hmm. You never, once it's approved once, mm -hmm. it goes into your bank account on, and that's it for right. seven years. So it work, it'll work out at 2,300 after tax, obviously. You don't have to pay tax on it. Right. So you just, once you claim it once, that's it. And the other interesting thing is, that it's 200,000 per property. Yeah. So if you know how to do this, yes. you can actually have two properties going on, on go. in parallel. Yeah. Or you can do it, you know, one sequentially, like yeah. I might do another one. But Dolores, am I right in thinking you did one before this? Yeah, I did that one has before this as well. Been the, I, yeah, that yeah. was actually the one I thought we were going to talk about. Because no, no. that's the one where you no, haven't found No, no, this is no, this is it. This is Waterford is the one. Waterford mm -hmm. is the one because uh, I did buy a property in Drogheda, mm -hmm. as you know. But Drogheda, I thought, might be extended to Living City and it wasn't. Okay. So that wasn't. Mm -hmm. But that was, so this is really, mm -hmm. Waterford is the one. Is the one. Is okay. the one, yeah. Very good. Um, but what's interesting for people to know is that it's mm -hmm. per property. Mm -hmm. So it means that you could have one or two or mm -hmm. a married couple could mm -hmm. have, you know, multiple properties and you get the 200,000 per property. 
Okay, so Dolores, I'm so grateful to you for sharing all this information and your knowledge. It's going to be invaluable because this initiative is lasts until... So it, it turns out that it only lasts, it started off in May uh, 2015 mm. and it finishes according to the Revenue website on the 4th of May 2020. Right. So what that means is that the expenses that you can get tax relief mm -hmm. off of have to be incurred until the 4th of May 2020. Okay. So that's the general scheme for uh, commercial and residential mm. and the landlord scheme then is that I am involved in mm -hmm. only started on the 1st of January 2017 mm -hmm. and it's also ending on the 4th of May 2020. Okay. So that's a very short time frame. Now obviously I have no connection with revenue mm. but in general if a scheme works they will extend it. Mm -hmm. So they want to have a reasonably short time frame so that mm -hmm. people don't put it off. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I would suggest that it might be extended. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, I know in from the councils, they have had very few properties. Right, very little poor take uptake, on it. Yeah. Well, honestly, as I'm listening to you describe all the things that have to be done, I'm thinking, oh my God, why would anyone do this? And this the other thing is in exhausting. Dublin, what's a bit crazy is a lot of these properties the purchase price was, we'll say, in 2014, maybe 600,000. Yeah. And now it's gone up to buy a building that needs complete mm -hmm. renovation, might be 800,000. Yeah. And then still in Dublin, the renovation costs would be higher for the same amount yeah. of work. So mine would be 560, probably be talking 800,000. Mm -hmm. And often you can actually buy renovated buildings now mm -hmm. for less mm -hmm. than the cost of purchase plus renovation. Yeah, yeah. So, but if it was going to be your home, of course, yeah. You know, and you were going to live in one of these beautiful Georgian houses mm. in Merrion Square or somewhere, mm. then it would be well worth it. Mm -hmm. so. Um, Dolores, if anyone listening here <laughs> has not been put off by this idea and is thinking I'll about to <laughs> we'll have to do this again and I'll have to... <laughs> um, what what what's the key or what are the key bits of advice you might give them? Like if I was saying to Dolores I'm gonna do it tomorrow. Yes. And you say, Right, bump bump bump, what will I definitely have to do? I would say buy a property in a good location so when it's renovated people want to live there. Yep. Good uh, then buy as cheap as you can and make sure you use a very good surveyor mm. to make sure it is structurally sound. Mm -hmm. And like in our one, make sure the roof doesn't need to be replaced. Mm -hmm. So the roof on its own would say would cost 180,000. So okay. in ours it didn't need to be replaced. Right. It was structurally sound. Right. And a nice place to live and mm. as cheap as possible. And then do a deal, be fair with the builder so that he does it in a shorter time frame. Don't mm -hmm. over negotiate mm -hmm. so that the builder doesn't do the job. Mm. Okay. So, you know, better play a little bit, maybe 20% over the odds mm -hmm. and agree a time frame. So I also had performance ones that if, mm -hmm. they, if they get finished in a certain amount of time, right. I'm happy to give a bonus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So get the builder to finish it and be incentivized to finish it because every month you have it, it might be earning five or 10,000 for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And also then separately, I've leased the building under the repair and lease scheme to Waterford Council mm -hmm. so that they will give anyone now, not in the living city anywhere, uh, 35,000 per rental unit mm -hmm. up front mm -hmm. uh, to then take the building or the apartment off your hands for between five and 20 years. Okay, so, so it's a great way of getting. I've already of cash. agreed inside the contract with Waterford Council, so they will. They are giving me uh, thirty-five by six. Well, and if it was in former bedsits, it turns out um, they can give you more. So they're giving me three hundred thousand in cash, 
right. uh, this like before August, we'll say, right. uh, in cash up front to, and they will rent the building or at least ha own the building and let, rent it out for seven years. They won't own it, will they? No, they'll no, lease it. They'll lease it, yeah. Here. Sorry, for uh, seven years is what yeah. we agreed. So it's anywhere from five years to 20. Right. And they've given me 300,000 and that's tax-free <gasps> and then you also get the 200,000 on top of that in Living City so that's nice. half a million you know so it's actually worth it yeah. and also those people will be coming off the housing list the six families right. and the, the I don't have to put in the kitchen units or buy furniture because the council will th give them money to buy the furniture that they want right and also the you know dishwashers and whatever that they want okay so the kit the kitchens are fitted out but you won't be putting in the appliances yeah yeah and also i don't have to put in beds or any furniture either goodness, so i don't right. have that cost so and they give me uh, 50,000 per apartment so 300,000 and that's tax free yeah well, it's always... on it's a, a small loan yeah Right. And that's this year. So it is worth it in combination. So that's yeah. why if you do buy these properties, obviously they are in the city centre, but you want to get them where someone, you know, will want to live. And like my one, it's within walking distance, so you don't need a car. So, right. And what's good for me is that they will come off the housing list. Wow. You know, so they will be homeless people yeah. that were given uh, nice apartments to live in. So that's quite good, I feel. So you have done so well. You have bought it well, availing of the CTT capital, ga capital yeah. gains incentive before the end of 2014. Yeah. You have done it up and got 50% of your costs up to a value yeah. of 400,000 back under yeah. the Living City. Yeah. And then you have rented it out under to the repair and lease, and, yeah. under the repair and release scheme. Yeah, yeah. And the junior minister, actually, a couple, two ministers have gone down to look at it because I think it's one of the only ones under Living City in Waterford and it's the first one in repair and lease. Wow. Well, congratulations, <laughs> Dolores. So we're going into business, sorry. Sounds fantastic. Yes. So if anyone wants to contact me, they're more than welcome. Great. <laughs> I okay, want to so pass it on. Contact me and I'll pass Yeah, of course, contact you, Brett. Or I'll yeah. put on Dolores's... No, no, please contact you. Your, um, email on it? Yeah, yeah, but okay, I prefer, yeah. I'd be happy if they contact you yeah, directly okay. and then we'll, okay. you know, benefit from both our expertise. Fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing that, Dolores. That was so useful. Thank you. <laughs>